Sunday. We're back. Sunday, Left Coast Love 2020. Tonight's tonight's episode, Magic Bus. So we, we dug back to the Who live at Leeds there for that uh, that rendition of uh, Magic Bus. It's always been one of my favorites. I remember the first time I heard Live at Leeds. It just uh, <clears throat> kind of blew my mind because up until then, I'd been listening to all the studio stuff and Pete Townsend spent a lot of time, you know, doing different things and overdubs and synthesizers. So uh, a lot of their studio stuff was pretty well produced. Um, but to then hear them all stripped down and raw and electric, like really sounding like a garage band. And this is 1969. So as far as like at the height of their rock and roll powers, it's, it's they actually perform, uh, if, the, if you get the extended version, I think they do all of Tommy as like the second set. It's crazy. But uh, anyway, so uh, I, I chose that tonight because we have a lot of things to talk about. It's been a super busy week. And uh, I was thinking about the Who and the Magic Bus because we're going to make a lot of stops along the way. So uh, I'm going to spend some time talking about DC Fandom, which was an online uh, fan event that DC Comics ran on uh, yesterday, pretty much all day yesterday. And uh, also, let's, let's, hey, let's talk about pay phones. So a lot of times uh, my friends that post on Facebook will uh, inspire me to think about something or connect it to something else that's going on in a really weird way. So... Uh, Payphones came up in the zeitgeist this week, so we'll we'll spend some time talking about that. Uh, out here where I live, it is back to school time, so my daughter uh, started uh, sixth grade, junior high, uh, sadly, uh, from from, our, from her kitchen nook uh, of a of a study area. Uh, I feels like we keep coming coming back to the black crows, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a little black crows uh, dive little segue, not segue, a little uh, tan, a little Black Rose uh, tangent, and then connect it back to something we talked about last week. Of course, we got comics. We always got comics to talk about. A um, little bit about military military tradition, as well as uh, modern media, like music, movies, streaming services, cable, blah, blah, blah. anyways. And then uh, my library. So, like I said, a lot of topics. Uh, hopefully each week I'm getting a little bit better about uh, kind of staying on point and getting through everything. So why don't we uh, why don't we kick off this week kick off this week and let's talk a little bit about DC Fandom. So uh, San Diego Comic Con, which is sort of the uh, the it is the big event every year in the in the comic book and now entertainment pop culture world. And this was the first year in 20 plus years, 30 plus years, that there was not a live event in San Diego. And like most of us that are working from home or our kids that are uh, attending classes from home, uh, they tried to put together an online uh, representation of San Diego Comic Con. And I think I talked about it uh, back on the first episode. So, uh, you know, we give them an A for effort because they had to turn on a dime, but the execution and navigation left a lot to be desired. And more importantly, companies like DC Comics didn't really even represent themselves. They were saving all of their content for uh, the DC Fandom event. So, uh, basically what you got here was a series of panels, video shorts, interviews, um, in some cases, even CNN, because I guess with Time Warner, CNN, uh, Warner Media, uh, and DC Comic relationships, so you, you, there was a little bit of promotion. 
But one of the things that, that, that struck me right away was uh, the way they had the programming set up, and I didn't really uh, understand it until it got going, which was this was uh, a series of uh, video events that were uh, sequenced and all the, they went one after the other. So uh, when I went in and made my schedule the day earlier, I really wasn't paying attention because I was picking topics and things I was interested in very much the way you would when uh, you actually go to a live uh, comic book convention. And then as, uh, you know, then as the event started and I uh, couldn't get onto the website, it, it was sort of clunky getting going. Um, I was joking around online, it was more like DC boredom because either you watch the programming that they were presenting to you or kind of that was it. And uh, the shopping that was there, uh, there was no comic books per se unless you went to Amazon and bought, you know, DC books. But uh, they didn't really have too many specials or anything that jumped out from there. They had selections or featured DC items. Um, eventually, as the day wore on, they did add more stuff over in that area. So they did add some t-shirts and, and, and so forth that kind of went with the fandom logo. But uh, once it was explained online politely by one of my friends as I was grousing about it, uh, really what this was intended to be, and I kind of sat back and just took in all the content, um, I was actually quite surprised. And as we got going, uh, it got better and better. And some of the panels obviously were, were better executed than others. But, you know, like Chris Pine was absolutely charming across uh, his different panels. And Will Arnett uh, did a couple of different ones. Uh, but, you know, he does one of the voice, I think he's the Batman Lego voice or one of the Batman Lego <laughs> voice. And uh, he also did some gaming stuff. And even though at a con I wouldn't go to, to uh, gaming panels, I watched uh, because you couldn't if you if you jumped off the site that was it there was no parallel programming um, like I said I ended up watching stuff I probably wouldn't have at a con and looking at the level of effort and thought that goes into the storytelling behind the video games which I'm really not up to speed with was interesting and the fact that DC started to have some fun they revoiced some uh, cartoons and mashed them together. So they had some Batman Beyond interacting with Brave and the Bold clips with new voiceovers. And uh, I, I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, they did throw in some of the older kind of claymation shorts that I had seen uh, because I already subscribed to the DC Universe, which I think is getting absorbed into... HBO Max, but at least for now, you can still read comics and uh, all of the old DC content is available there. Um, they they build it as 24 hours. Um, I don't know that there was actually 24 hours of programming because it felt like they started to repeat the program uh, towards the end of my day. And then today it was all just... Um, basically the same programming that I had seen yesterday replayed again. So I don't, I, um, if they added some new stuff, uh, that was news to me. But I think they kind of set, uh, set the table for, uh, I see Marvel having to jump on and do something like this just to, just to keep up. And sort of setting the stage for branded uh, online events or days. So maybe that kind of programming couldn't sustain a network, but it definitely packed, I want to say, eight to nine hours worth of engaging content over the course of the day. Cartoon Network did a couple of things, because uh, I know my daughter kept coming in and saying, hey, you know, they're talking about the fandom on Cartoon Network while she was watching uh, Teen Titans. So, um, overall, I thought it was, thought it was a pretty good uh, way to spend quarantine. Uh, on a Saturday, and uh, I think the content may be up uh, through tonight, and I'm sure it'll live on over on over on YouTube. Uh, I did for the first time actually see a lot of the movie trailers and clips. So, for example, Suicide Squad next year looks 
freaking awesome. <laughs> that, uh, they, they could just take my money right now on that one. And even stuff that maybe I wasn't too interested in having a second, second look at, uh, like the Aquaman franchise, uh, actually got me interested. And same with Wonder Woman. I don't know, for some reason, I, I, I loved the first movie, but I wasn't really over the moon about another one. But after watching the panels, I think I really want to take a look at that. So there you go, DC Fandome. Uh, maybe for me a little rough start, but over the course of the day, it turned out real well. Uh, next up, payphones. So, you know, I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed, and Ava posts a picture of herself outside of a, uh, an old school payphone, and she's like, hey, you know, you know, what's this? And it, for some reason, literally the day before, I had been looking on eBay for a working uh, a working payphone and we're kind of at an interesting time for these things right now because um, you know they're not super duper cheap but they're not ridiculously expensive either and you know for around you know for under $300 you can get a pretty clean working uh, payphone for you know your man cave your garage whatever um, but for, for our family, what it represents is m my wife and, and her father and a lot of people on her side of the family have spent uh, a career, a lifetime working for what at that time was Pac Bell, Pacific Bell. Eventually, you know, I think it's AT&T out here now. But um, so we have and she holds dear to herself. A lot of things that are associated with the old, if you will, classic phone company kind of era of time. And that's back when her dad and her worked simultaneously for the phone company with other folks in their family here in California. And with my wife's birthday coming up um, over the years, you know, I've tried to do the clothes, the, you know, the, 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 the flowers, the candy and all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't really... It's like, yay, okay. Uh, last year we went to Monterey with uh, for a weekend, and uh, that went over. That that was two thumbs up for the birthday. But this year we we don't have that option because of uh, COVID out here in California. And on top of that, everything's on fire. So it's another reason to stay in the house because you walk outside and the smoke is everywhere. Uh, my car is covered with ash and. It's just, it's, 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 it's really a sad time out here. And uh, so, you know, look at, hey, so what's more distracting than looking for payphones on eBay? So I found this sweet one here, and it's sweet because it has the keys, which is, which is key if you want to get this thing working again. And number two, <clears throat> hopefully if they're showing the back correctly, um, it appears to have all of the hardware that's required um, and even the cable and it was listed as a working phone so with all of those things I'm hoping um, there are some other people watching it but um, I thought this might be uh, a fun <laughs> fun way uh, for my wife uh, for my wife's birthday a little little something extra this year um, you can leave comments or let me know what you think of that idea um, we already have one bid in. I'll have to see how far how far this goes because uh, I don't know. Said for two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars, I think I'm in. But after that, I think I'm, we may have to look long and hard at this, um, unless there's actually a way we could uh, maybe get it out on the street and get a get one of the old time, you know, get an old school phone booth going out in front of the house. That would be funny on our on our uh, cul-de-sac. All right, payphones, payphones. There she is, Parker Jane. So it was back to school week out here in California. And where we live in Marin, this meant that uh, the kids began online. So uh, <laughs> this was hard for all of us. I work from home now, so I'm here all the time, right here in this office, in this chair, uh, doing calls, just, just like I'm talking to you right now, Internet. And... Uh, I know for myself, if I have three, four, five calls in a row, it gets very difficult because you only have a couple of minutes in between to run to the bathroom, make another cup of coffee, 
a lot of times I support things on the East Coast, so I have to get up earlier uh, than the house. So often I'm up at 4.30 in the morning my time and starting to do calls 5 a.m., 5.30, uh, so that I'm in line with the clients on the, on the East Coast. But uh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't imagine being 11 years old. And like I, when I was 11, the two things I hated the most in the world was going to school uh, sixth grade was kind of a, that was really an awkward time. And um, uh, just sitting in a chair, sitting in a chair for one place. So uh, my generation, we were, I, I want to say, the bridge generation between corporal punishment being the norm and socially accepted. And, you know, that's how people discipline their kids to, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea and there has to be, uh, a better way to, 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 to instill discipline and order when necessary, but not, uh, you know, not be beating on the kids. So um, our pediatrician back in the day had suggested that, uh, and this was the precursor to the timeout, which to me is a much narrower uh, short-term sort of, if you will, sort of going to the county, like going to the drunk tank overnight, if you will, uh, versus the first, the, the precursor to that was the sitting in the chair. So for me, you would sit in the chair, and sitting in the chair was literally like from the time you came home from school, you sat in the chair. You could look out the window, but you couldn't really do anything other than read. And then you go eat dinner, take your tubby, then go sit in the chair some more, and then go to bed. And you get up, go to school, and come home and do that. And often the punishments would go for, you know, two weeks, three weeks. And for, you know, looking back, I'm like, damn, man, for an 11-year-old, that's, that's, <laughs> that's rough. And for me, I think it, it kind of hardened me early on um, to actually setting me up to be a little more rebellious than I think I might have been. Because after a certain point, you just don't, like, the message isn't getting through it's just punitive versus you know like any sort of learning happening but anyway so like i said so back when i was 11 the things i hated the most were sitting in the chair which i spent a lot of time doing fourth fifth grade and going to school and you know parker gets to to sit in that chair for damn feels like four and a half hours straight every morning and because they're all on camera with headphones and they're hooked into software and the teachers and the school are monitoring what's happening, um, you know, you, you can't even get up, go to the bathroom, recess, the, the, you know, getting up to come to the front of the class to write on the whiteboard or put your papers in the back, get the art, you know what I'm saying. So um, I, I'm really, I'm really proud of her, and I, I don't know that I, I would have been able to, to, to make the transition, but uh, so, and this is the, let's say this is a little area we've, we've set up for her. So she has her own printer and her little Chromebook and her chair and a little view out back. And again, so hopefully, uh, after the holidays, we'll, we'll be able to start transitioning her back to class. So there you go, back to school week. Shifting gears, and I talked about him last week, but must have been in the zeitgeist because Jackie, Jackie Green came up in, in, in reference or in conjunction with Black Crows this week. Uh, one of the YouTube groups that I belong to, I, I don't know where they get this stuff, but they post the like, most of them are kind of hard to watch because they're old or grainy or shot from the audience. But every once in a while, like this particular video, you know, it's still got the tracking number. So this is obviously one of the feeds they used for um, both the video screens at the venue. And I think back when this event happened, which... God, what was that, like 2013 maybe? They, um, uh, I think it was either a pay-per-view or I know it was broadcast at least in Europe. And uh, although at that time, I don't know that I was uh, totally familiar with uh, Jackie Green, I was familiar with the Black Crows. But this video here, oh my goodness, so 
uh, even with the timestamp on the bottom there, you forget it's there after a while because it is crystal clear. And on top of that, the mix is crazy good and clean. Um, they have Jackie on one guitar, and he's he's fairly well isolated in the mix. And then you get uh, Rich uh, over in the other channel, and he's fairly well isolated, but. Uh, Everything, it's a clean balance. You can hear the singer, you can hear the keys. It's a great performance. Chris is on fire. Um, and it, it's the full one hour set. So uh, that got me going on kind of riffing on the Black Rose. This thing was so good that I watched it like, I think two or three times starting back on Thursday of this week. But then that made me go back uh, to the book from Steve Gorman, who's the drummer for the Black Crows, and he was one of the, the founding members, and the last one to get kind of kicked to the curb, if you will, by Chris and Rich, so that they could basically keep all the money. I'm not judging. They did the work. <laughs> they put in the time. It was their thing. So um, however things played out amongst those people, that's, that's their story to tell. But I always think it's funny because the drummer, it always feels like the drummer gets the, gets, it somehow gets the short end of the stick. And uh, Steve has a, a drummer for, uh, he's played with uh, Jackie in Trigger Hippie, as well as uh, Steve does a podcast. I think he does a thing on Fox, uh, Fox Sports as well. Um, I know he's friends with Jay Moore, the comedian, because sometimes they end up uh, crossing over on each other's podcasts and he is you know I, I think he's an underrated drummer man he's got that heavy heavy man he smashes and it's it's the right kind of smash and kind of reminds me of like John Bonham but um, he wrote a great book there are so many stories in there <laughs> I, sh I, should, I could take a whole episode just uh, talking about my favorite uh, nuggets from that book including the, the evolution of Chris Robinson from hating, quote, the dirty, smelly deadheads in the 90s to full-on embracing the jam band hippie, playing with Phil and Friends uh, lifestyle, uh, Chris Robinson brotherhood uh, thing that he did for years and years. And uh, <laughs> just... It's just so funny to hear some of the stories. Um, by the way, a great book. I think it's funny that it's always the drummer. And again, so we got Black Crows, Jackie Green, and and a little bit of a book report. So I recommend all three. Um, if you just search in YouTube for Black Crows, um, Hard Rock Calling, you'll you'll get the video. I recommend it as well as I totally recommend the book, even if you're not a Black Crows fan. Um, that band came out of Georgia and were contemporaries with R.E.M. and Driving and Crying and a lot of other uh, bands and have friendships and relationships with bands that you might not be aware of. Um, great stories, of course. Uh, always with the two brothers coming together to create some of the most fantastic music ever, but then only to spin out of control to not talk to each other or have one of the brothers get on the bus and just leave town, <laughs> to leave the band behind. So um, the other thing it did is it gave me kind of a balanced look because over the years the myth was uh, Chris was always the difficult one. He was the lead singer, right? So he's got lead singer syndrome. He was married to Goldie Hawn's daughter for a while and, um, you know, kind of embraced the uh, anti, like, I'm going to say whatever I want, do whatever I want. In their heydays, they were taking on uh, Budweiser and corporate tours. and I mean, they were kind of the bad boys of their time. And, oh, you know, now, now it's totally different. It's a full-on money-making machine. Any kind of sponsorships, merch, whatever, they're, they're going for it. But um, I think this incarnation of the band was, was especially uh, great. And, all, like I said, all the performances are there.
And everything leads back to Jackie, so you never go wrong if Jackie's there. Um, once I get done here, I'll actually be jumping over because Sunday night's when Jackie does his live uh, live thing from over on uh, Facebook and, and Zoom. All right. Okay, working from home, trying to find stuff to do. And I can't just keep talking to the internet, you know, I actually, I was joking around, I was like, you know, I, I, could, I could throw up content every single day, just sit down and talk, riff, whatever, for 20 minutes and just throw it out there. And I'm like, no, I don't know, that's just making noise. But instead, kind of taking the time to go back and revisit. So as a comic book guy over the years, I've bought different collections and hardbacks and always with the intention that, you know, hey, one day, one day, you know, I'm gonna have time to sit down in a chair and take one of these really nice editions of these books that I have and go back and just immerse myself into the comics I read as a kid. And for one reason or another, like these are really nice books and, you know, they came in a set and, you know, I didn't wanna, you know, don't wanna take them on a plane and have them get beat up and, forgotten left in hotel rooms so I never took them traveling and over the past week I you know I started I took one out and cracked it open and and now I'm going to work my way through all of this stuff I actually now have the time and you know the other thing I want to take a look at is what what am I going to see knowing what I know now because when I read a lot of these stories when I was a kid I didn't understand the art, I didn't understand the mythology, I didn't understand some of the subtext and other under, underpinnings that were going on in these stories at the time. It was just Spider-Man catching the bad guy who was a vulture, crazy guy flew around and, you know, hurrying up to, to make sure Aunt May got her medicine and that he showed up at the coffee shop in time so his friends wouldn't notice that he was missing all the time and you know now that I'm older and I've grown to appreciate like Steve Ditko's art style and understand the contributions of inkers and colorists and all of the uh, care and attention that went into uh, these these stories and these and these collections and at the very same time the stories that were tossed together to make a deadline or that were to fill a gap because somebody got sick or somebody's wife had a baby and yet they had to still fit all of that stuff into the universe and the continuity and and for some reason again it just it feels to me this is like music for the eyes like with all because it's storytelling it's color it's art and it's a t I still read the books or the comics so it's a very tactile kind of uh, experience so I'll probably chime in as I get through this stuff here and there uh, kind of the impact that it, the, these stories and, and the works are having on me now the things that make me cringe um, also the things that bring me joy because I think that's what this time should be spent for just hey you know if I'm gonna take the time to go back and do this I just I want to enjoy it <laughs> and these collections that they've done reasonably priced considering how much content you get they look nice on the bookshelf now because I'm an old man and you can't really although my, my office still kind of below, <laughs> it's not as busy as all this might suggest everywhere else but uh, um, nice representation and a way to, to kind of keep the collection all together so uh, this was a Marvel 75th anniversary hardback collection. I want to say it came out like uh, 2017 maybe. And I had bought it and then it went out of print and I sold it. Made a few bucks on it. And then I just bought it again at a clearance for less than I bought it for originally. So I'm still happy and... Um, I didn't get to read the books like I said the first time around, so this time I'm actually taking that time. This week, this week, the other thing we're gonna, this week we got some military things that came up, so, and here's where Facebook can be your friend. 
so my Facebook friend and uh, army buddy Kevin Weatherly who's down here in the lower right hand corner <laughs> with, the, with the cool sunglasses and uh, uh, over here giving me a big bear hug after I don't know what but we just uh, it was his birthday on Facebook and it got me thinking back so uh, with Wheatley and Weatherly we're next to each other alphabetically and we had we went to boot camp together back in 1984 Fort Leonard Wood Missouri and for 12 weeks, we stood next to each other. Our bunks were over each other. Our lockers were next to each other. We stood in line next to the chow to get chow, to do exercising, to march, to do everything. And uh, he eventually also was uh, sent over or stationed in West Germany. I shouldn't say sent because this was a different army. And uh, this week, I also spent some time talking to my nephew who's going into the Marine Corps. So between Kevin's birthday and my nephew going uh, into the Marines at the end of the year, that got me thinking back again about my military experience. So I threw together some pictures here from some of that time and uh, sharing a, a, military, um, a military tradition. And while our family, you know, we don't, get together and all put our uniforms on and you know go down to the VFW or anything of that nature there has been a consistent tradition of military service uh, especially starting on my mom's side with with uh, my grandfather and two of my uncles uh, my uncle Jack in the Marine Corps and my uncle Joe uh, as a flight surgeon uh, in the Air Force my uncle Jack uh, Marine Corps to a Marine Corps engineer, uh, he was an officer, a number of tours in Vietnam, uh, probably one of the tough, <laughs> toughest son of a bitches you ever want to meet, but a uh, very quiet, reserved, professional, sincere, pious man, and uh, I had the, the pleasure of taking my mom to visit him down in Texas a few years ago. Uh, they're both getting older and had wanted to spend some time together. Neither one of them travel well. So I uh, brought my mom down to San Antonio and I spent a week driving him around. And uh, also at the same time helping him do some chores around his house. And during that course of that time, he, he gave to me some Zippo lighters that uh, he had from when he was uh, in the Marine Corps back in Vietnam. And... Talk about like completist. I mean, he had all of the original packaging. Now, these were, mind you, these were used. He had carried these, but he also kept all of the boxes, the original wrapping instructions, the la the mailing labels from Zippo to him. <coughs> Super interesting little time capsule. Um, one of the lighters has, on one side of it, it's engraved his uh, Marine Corps. Uh, battalion and their insignia which is the patch uh, that identifies what unit you're from and then uh, on the other side the map of Vietnam and uh, some of the places where uh, he and his unit had had spent had spent time and along uh, along with that uh, uh, our stepfather his uncle was a drill instructor uh, in the US Army and I have his dog tags and ID card. And then, of course, I served in the Army uh, uh, myself for a number of years. So uh, hearing that my nephew was going into the Marine Corps, we gave him a call and, and had a nice talk. And you know, super proud of it, super proud of the guy. I was going to do great. And put together a little box to send him so that, um, you know, now he's part, he's going to be part of, that tradition w within our family so um, this is the one common thing I think that's that's kind of maybe help us once we get back to a more normal less angry time because you know even with within my family there's there's a lot of differing opinions about the world and um, a lot less interaction than, than there used to be uh, but this military tradition is a common thread through pretty much all of the folks that uh, are involved so um, again 
super proud and can't wait to see how well he does. Uh, it is kind of fun to go back and look at some of the pictures too uh, from you know up here. These were uh, the guys I worked with in Germany. Uh, we pumped a, lot, pumped a lot of fuel. There's a fuel truck back there. And then up here, it's my old roommate, Will. Uh, we actually lived in New York together and uh, traveled quite a bit and with the Army Reserves. Here we are issuing rations. And down here we got some pictures. I think this is from uh, Korea, and this is I think that's Maine and maybe maybe Honduras here. This one might be Honduras. Anyways, um, but again, a great opportunity, and uh, hopefully nothing uh, too dangerous becomes of uh, his time in service. So there you go. A little little bit about the the military tradition. So as we're kind of coming around the corner, again, more like COVID madness, trying to figure out stuff to do around the house. And now we have all these streaming services and cable and the internet, <coughs> DC fandom coming at me to the point where, you know, I actually got to sit down and spend time looking at, oh God, there's just so much stuff. What's actually coming out? And it's not just from one streaming service, it's from Netflix, it's from... Uh, you know, I actually use TV Guide. <laughs> like, if you're old enough to remember when the TV Guide was a magazine, but uh, a great website because now they list all of the movies that are coming in. And for me, you know, the catalogs they have out there now, there's just so much stuff that I can't even bother trying to go backwards. I just try to take a look at what's coming out. Maybe something will pique an interest or tie up with something else that I'm watching or listening to. To give me a better idea and i think this week i broke i broke i was like oh my god i cannot i cannot even like I, i'm spending more time looking for stuff than watching stuff and at the same time i'm like you know too much content too many choices is it a 10 episode limited series did it get picked up it started on youtube but now it's coming to netflix it was canceled for 20 years, but it just got rebooted. I'm like, oh my God, I can't keep up. And then I realized, you know what? I don't have to because I think it's time to revisit my own library because over the years, I've actually collected so much content, not even realizing it, but I think I've always realized it. So even the computer I'm working off of right here has... I think it's down here on the floor, big ass, a big external hard drive just for movies and music uh, and comic books for me. Um, I, you know, there are some comics that I do read digitally, not many, but some I do. And I keep those files over there along with the, the, the music and movies. And I started to think about, well, how, how much stuff did you buy download watch once and is now just like so far back and buried and i don't know what got me on the riff of it but for some reason queen's right kind of popped up into my mind and i was like oh my god i have not listened to queen's in years they were one of my favorite bands in the 90s um i saw them at the pepsi arena in albany trying to remember who opened up for them but this that was at the height of their i think uh, empire empire was the album silent lucidity which had a very pink floyd uh feel um and sound to it was popular we still listen to fm radio so those nice six minute pink floyd-esque songs kind of fit the bill queens so they did rock hard on some of their other material um, but always very melodic and, and I always appreciated them. They were one of the hard bands I could totally get behind. Uh, once I moved out to California, I had the opportunity to see them. I don't want to say on the other side, but at a different point in their career. And they played a show at the Fillmore in San Francisco, which is a ballroom and maybe 800 people. I think that's it. 800 people. And that, that, that's it. No chairs really to speak of. You're all on the floor and then they have a really small balcony. 
um, seen a million great shows over the years there. Uh, a lot of the bigger bands sometimes come in and do residencies. So if we go back and talk about the Black Crows, back in the day, typically they would do, as did Tom Petty um, or Chris Isaac, would do residencies where they would come and play for an entire week or uh, Tom Petty at one point did almost a month. I think he was doing four nights a week for over the course of four weeks at the, at the Fillmore. Um, and not every show, I mean, no two shows were the same, but over the course of that time, trust me, like you were seeing, <laughs> like they were going all over the place with the catalogs. Um, so what I, what I, I rediscovered was my own library and stuff that I had bought and just never got around to watching or listening to or reading, much like the books I had just talked about. I remember when I bought the set the first time, I was all excited, and then it just seemed like I never had the time to actually sit down, quote, like an old man in a chair and just, like, read a book. And the type of reading... Because I was traveling, I try to keep the weight down. So, you know, I'm reading on my phone, I'm reading on an iPad. You don't want to be carrying a big hardcover around with you. But now I have the time. I have a nice comfier chair. This, this is okay for this kind of stuff, but I have a nice comfier chair and a light and nice sound system in here and can actually just kick back and have now started to read and enjoy that. And the same with the music. So I went back and now... Even my wife, we were listening to Queen's Right tonight um, as we were having dinner. And she's like, oh my God, what's this? It sounds like Queen's Right from back in the day. And I'm like, guess what? It's Queen's Right from back in the day. And she's like, oh my God, I used to love these guys. So uh, that's the other thing is actually going way back. I've been collecting music for so long since, you know, even before iTunes um, on hard drives and things. So... Um, going back and even on the concerts went back and watched the Eric Clapton uh, the Eric Clapton guitar thing that he did in New York I think it was 2013 maybe it's four and a half hours but you get every I mean holy cow like everybody did a set um, it was uh, the Almonds the entire Almond Brother because it was before Greg died came out and did a set as well as you know like Eric Gales and and, and, and the classic guys. John Mayer did some crazy, crazy sets. Went back and watched uh, Jane's Addiction live in New York. Again, great show. I think I watched it once when I downloaded it. It was one of those, like, you could download the concert for $4.99. So I downloaded it, watched it, and put it away. Um, forgot how much that band actually was probably one of the hardest bands ever <laughs> it's just ridiculous people are like oh you know metal this metal that like go listen to some jane's addiction back in the day like those guys were going places and um a lot of us weren't ready for them and then when we did catch on um they were huge for a long time and the music holds up. And so for me, that's the great part. Because you can go back and enjoy that music at that time. Very much like that Black Crow show um, that's up on YouTube right now. Like that performance will never get tired. It will be exactly that great every single time I watch it. That's awesome. So, I mean, going back through the library, uh, looking for the hidden gems or maybe taking a new interpretation. So even listening to the Black Crows catalog after reading the book, some of the songs sound different to me now because I'm listening for things that were talked about in the book, parts of the mix that were added. Or in some cases, they've been released as like, you know, lost recordings, buried treasures, and what they ended up being, <laughs> according to the book, these were failed attempts at albums that weren't good enough, so they scrapped it and then would start over again. But now that, again, Chris and Rich, in an effort to kind of keep the money going, they'll throw pretty much anything out there. So I uh, still love the story about the French horn at the end of Descending, uh, where Steve Gorman comes into the studio and um, 
Chris Chris is acting as the producer and at the end of the song he's he's fretting over uh, the French horn part and Steve Gorman is trying to figure out like what happened what happened to the band I was in I thought we were the Black Crows like a dirty dingy garage you know we're bringing you know we're bringing it back to that and you know there's a 65 year old French horn player packing up his stuff and Chris and Rich are working on the mix anyway so what I, I guess what I'm suggesting here is don't overlook your own library and speaking of my own library another way to discover things or rediscover things is in a new format so audible who they do the uh, kind of Amazon owns them but they do the audiobooks and I used to have a membership with them when I traveled especially overseas because it was great on planes I could listen to books and kind of be in that kind of half and half state on an airplane and have to throw back a few cocktails throw the headphones on and you know in you go now um, Sandman is one of those as a comic book guy I know about I'm very aware of but have never actually consumed the content I've been around the content and uh, but never actually went down and went through the content and DC fandom as well as some other buzz and things I've been reading have been talking about the audible version of the Sandman and it's being put together produced including the voice talents of Neil Gaiman who's the guy that you know wrote this he wrote created wrote the wrote the books and within the comic world this this is classic content this is material that is evergreen it has been it, it was the Walking Dead before the Walking Dead. I mean, these, this content has been produced in every single issues, trade paperbacks, hardcovers, oversized editions, artist editions, and now an Audible edition. I believe, I believe HBO Max might even be working on a series, if I'm not mistaken. Or yeah, I think it's HBO Max. Somebody's somebody's working on a on a. TV and Neil Gaiman's involved in it. They were talking about it at the DC fandom. Um, now, <clears throat> a long time ago, I got the uh, Sandman comic collection um, in electronic format, and I've had it on the hard drive, always meaning like, hey, I'm, this is going to be perfect for airplanes and stuff to go through. Um, but I never actually sat down and read the content. But now, <clears throat> since I've reactivated my Audible account, I've been listening to the Audible version and at the same time going through the comics. And part of that is because Neil Gaiman explained, like, you can actually do that. We have stuck to what's happening on the... We were as faithful to the content and the sequence and how we told the story but we got creative in how to represent that in your ears. Um, but it totally follows along with the comics. So to me, this is very exciting and offers a great opportunity. Like, you know what? I don't care what's coming out on Netflix. This is what I'm looking forward to. And there are so many hours of content. This is going to keep me busy for a good chunk of time. So if occasionally I come back and uh, make mention of... Uh, what's going on in Sandman or encouraging other folks uh, to join me um, please do the, the, the electronic versions are available on Comixology and uh, through an audible uh, account you can uh, get the Sandman audiobook so that brings us to the close for this Sunday night that was crazy huh that's why I called it magic bus we went all over the place so I guess the best part about talking to the internet is the internet always listens. And at least for right now, the internet, even if the internet is talking back, uh, because I'm focusing on, for those of you that do watch the video, because uh, you can, you can watch the video on YouTube as well, I do try to at least look at the camera or engage like I'm having a conversation. I just, I just look at my little camera and think of it like I'm talking to the internet, like how? In 2001 a space odyssey so uh, 
again, I'm dating myself, but that's all right. Though I appreciate anybody that's taken any time out of their schedule to listen to anything I have to say. Hopefully a little bit informative or make, might make you curious about uh, finding some of this stuff to fill up some of the time and feed your art. Uh, that's what I always say now, feed your art and feed your heart. Uh, with so much negativity and bad things happening in the world today, anything that can fill your heart with joy only makes you more, makes you happier. And, uh, you know, we project, we project that energy when we go out into the world. So for the people that have commented kindly on uh, the previous episodes, I think I am getting a little bit better each week. And I do spend time thinking about uh, topics and trying to make this engaging and informative and not exactly like anything else that's out there because this particular combination of, of things I think only hits at a time or a place. I don't even know what I'm saying now. I'm just babbling. So why don't we wrap it up there and uh, we'll be back next week. I'm so glad you took some time out. And from the left coast, uh, we're going to wrap.